This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. President Biden wants states to opt into a federalized system of universal preschool. Is it a good idea? Do parents even want it? And what about the preschools that already exist? What would it mean for them? Cato policy analyst Colleen Ronsich suggests caution and offers some reasons why federalized pre-K might cause more problems than it would solve. Her new paper is available today. What experience do states have with a universal, a state-run universal pre-kindergarten program? A lot of states have some form of state funding for preschool. Only four have universal preschool for four-year-olds, and that would be Florida, Oklahoma, Vermont, and West Virginia. And then a lot of other states have just varying degrees of them. None have it for three-year-olds. Okay, so what is, what's been the experience? It's really, it's mixed results, and it's something that's hard to study because to really get a good understanding, you need to have randomized controlled study. So you would have to have some kids that got in and some who tried and didn't. So it's just, it's a hard thing to study. There was, Tennessee's program isn't quite universal, but it is very widespread. And there was a study that came out from Tennessee, from Vanderbilt University researchers just earlier this year on Tennessee's program, which is not quite universal, but pretty widespread. And the program meets nine out of 10 of the benchmarks set by the National Institute for early edu- early education research. And the program found actually harmful impacts from the pre-K program in Tennessee. And that was both in academics and behavioral when they were looking at uh, randomized kids who had participated looking through sixth grade. So a few years ago, they looked at the kids in third grade, found some negative impacts. And then this year, they released the study through sixth grade and found those those negative impacts persisted. So not just no effect, which is what we're used to hearing about uh, very early childhood interventions, is that the, whatever the whatever the benefits are that we see tend to dissipate. At least that's what I hear from people like Neil McCluskey. Um, but actual negative effects that appear to have persisted. Exactly. Yes. Sometimes you'll find, and I think even this study found, coming out of the pre-K program, the kids were reading a little bit better than kids that hadn't done it at all, you know, heading into kindergarten. But they didn't just have fade out. They had actual negative impacts. And it wasn't just academics. It was also behavioral. So it was very, very shocking to a lot of people, including the researchers themselves. They went back and re-ran their numbers every way they could trying to explain this. And they kept coming up with the same results. People are sort of familiar with Head Start, and uh, I don't know uh, about the benefits or costs related to that program. What is Joe Biden proposing? So President Biden's proposal has a whole host of mandates. It requires 1,020 hours of instructional time per year. It requires teachers to have an elementary education degree and be certified. It has their salaries matched up with the public school salaries. It requires, um, it doesn't give any religious exemptions for some of the different programs that would be for Head Start regulations and for Title IX regulations. So there's a lot of mandates that are involved in this, in his legislation. 
All right. So one of the things you were talking about uh, in your paper was that the extent to which this would be an opt-in program by states, it would be fairly rigid. And, and the requirements of the plan sort of, you know, demand that any uh, universal pre-K that was adopted by a state would have, in order to qualify for federal funds, would have to, you know, live and die by those requirements. Exactly. There's not a single state program right now that would qualify under these requirements. And none have, that's for even the ones that have the four-year-old programs, there's not a single state that has universal preschool for three-year-olds at all. So it's a massive expansion. All right. And, and what evidence is there that this is what parents want? And, and also give us a sense of what the landscape for pre-K looks like right now. Right now, it's a very diverse landscape. There are part-time programs. There are full-time programs. There are home-based, center-based, secular, religious. It's, you know, a, whatever you want pretty much is out there. And that's what parents seem to want. There's a wide variety in what parents want. And it's it's split up pretty evenly, you know, maybe 10 to 14% preferring any of those types of options. What Biden's plan would do is really be a death knell for all of those other programs because they wouldn't meet his requirements. And so the, there's not not much evidence then that parents want this kind of program? There's no evidence. They'll look and say, oh, parents support universal preschool, but the polls never get into the details of what that means. And parents don't tend to want maybe 14% in polls that I've seen, and that was just in the last couple of years, where they want a secular center-based program, and that's the kind that's most likely to survive the regulations of the Biden plan. Given some of the evidence that you've laid out here, uh, if parents like the idea of universal pre-K but uh, seem to like what options are available now, who benefits? Frankly, it seems like teachers unions are the primary beneficiaries of this because while it doesn't mandate that they that the preschool teachers join the teachers union, it does mandate that they have the same certifications and degrees and match the salary requirements of the local school districts. So you can see down the road where that's likely to be a, a big push is to get them unionized. Colleen Hronsich is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Her new paper, Universal Preschool, Lawmakers Should Approach with Caution, is available today. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 